You're listening to the Slavic Literature Pod, your shelf-help guide to all things Slavic. I'm Cameron Lalana. And I'm Mac Arismovich. And today we are covering part one, chapter 20 of Vasily Grossman's Life and Fate, and a long-awaited letter has arrived for Ludmilla. She has found that her, uh, I would say long-lost, not very short-lost son, Tolia, is uh, in fact alive. He's been wounded, uh, but he's recovering. And uh, she goes to share this news with her husband, which comprises, um, which is what makes up most of this chapter before she leaves to go find the field hospital where he he's being treated. Couple things we're following here. This is a little bit different from the previous chapters. <laughs> bit of a turn. Um, anywhere you want to start in particular. Actually, I don't think it's a turn. It, well, a little bit, but I, I think this is a, a deliberate sequence of mother chapters, basically. Um, as I'm rereading this, we get a lot of insight into mothers and their children and the relationship between them. And I don't have anything super like coherently laid out at the moment on this it's just something that i've i i honestly missed my first time because i think i was kind of just overwhelmed by how how much was going on and you know keeping track of everybody and and everything um but being able to go back and pay attention to again the placement it's something that's become increasingly interesting to me and i, I think this being uh just it's just really complex it's just really complex that's all you think oh great it's a, it's a a couple mother chapters, like you're going to get something that emerges out of them. But in fact, they're all really quite different. I mean, you get sort of what a mother's love looks like in different ways, but di- yeah, different. For sure. Each character, despite, you know, in this case, Ludmilla and her, and, uh, her husband, Victor, uh, despite both kind of being in, in a similar set of circumstances, Ludmilla to her son, Tolia, and and, and uh, Anna Smilnova to her son, Victor are, despite having a speaking a common language, are unable to understand each other. Perhaps we find much of the tragedy of the 20th century in that. But (laughs) (laughs) only we can get sponsorship money for saying that. I don't know who would sponsor it. Maybe the 20th century. Yeah. Well, yeah. That's that could be a crapshoot depending on who. (laughs) (laughs) It's sort of like what's complex about this too is this this relationship between Ludmilla and and Victor and that that sort of tension pain point with Victor's mother. And I guess, I don't know, you'd almost think that, that this grief would bring them together on the sort of common understanding or would bring everybody closer, but it hasn't appeared to do so at least not yet. Um, and, And there's still lots and lots of tension. Yeah, absolutely. And um, this is a point, just to move it along a little bit, this is a point I, I made in the in the chapter today, but also just like the last chapter we had, obviously, the pain of, of losing a parent. And we are also seeing in this one the reverse, the pain of losing a child. And I thought, um, I don't know if this is like, this passage was directed at people who maybe don't have a child. And, you know, I, I assume if you have a child, the idea of like losing your child is already pretty instinctively terrifying. You don't need any you don't need any like when to explain that to you. You don't need any metaphors. But if you don't, right, we have this we have this moment where after Ludmilla and Victor think back, uh, they remember when they used to have a cat. And uh, when when she gives birth to a litter of kittens, there's one which happens to get stuck, and uh, you know the cat ends up dying in kitten birth. And Grossman writes, as she was dying, 
She had crawled to Victor and cried, staring at him with wide, bright eyes. But who was there in this vast, empty sky on this pitiless, dusty earth? Who was there to beg or entreat? And um, Griffin wrote this for uh, millennials. <laughs> <laughs> right. But, you know, getting at sort of which interestingly, despite how much religious imagery Grossman's using, also what we have here is a world in which, yeah, there's certainly parental care for a child. And that, like Ludmilla later on, overrides all common, all, all of her better sense of packing food and money and just gets on a train to go find her son. Um, and so you still have that obvious parental love, but that obvious parental love also is coming in an age where you've got that pitiless, dusty sky where, yeah, there we, we do see this care uh, from these parents. And yet it that will not change what comes. It didn't right. change on Semyonov's fate. It won't change as much as about to come in uh, Ludmilla and Tolio's relationship. Right. And the question is posed, would all the people in the world would all the people in the world be worth the young blood that was the price of this joy? Um, and this is a, a recurring question in the book. Um, but I think that Grossman and I think a lot, a lot of people that saw just mass destruction, just trying to reconcile with what that really means. Uh, most of us are lucky to have not really seen this on this scale, just to read accounts, see accounts, but not to have witnessed it. Absolutely. Yeah. And I'm, I'm glad you bring up that line specifically because I want to go from there to a, a quote from, well, a question that one of our, our Discord users had. Yeah, that's had in the biz we call a professional segue right there. <laughs> this one comes from Dominique, uh, who says uh, on page 97, when it says, Would all the people in the world be worth the young blood that was the price of this joy? My favorite quote from the chapter, by the way, is it referring to the happiness that people are feeling about being evacuated to Moscow? I assume they think this means the war is going well, which is in contrast to Ludmilla receiving a letter that her son is alive but severely wounded. But I might be reading it wrong. Um, I, I did answer that in Discord, but I was wondering if you had any thoughts on that. Uh, yes and no. Uh, yeah, it, it, it is because they're sort of safely in evacuation. Uh, but I think that sort of... I, I think he's posing like a broader question as well, which is... Um, sort of does the end justify the means in a lot of ways um and and not just for war but i I think he's posing it you know more broadly since he's writing with a little bit of historical uh knowledge after uh a few years after the war in the soviet union so uh, i think it's just sort of this i I don't know more of an age-old question that he's grappling with of course the um you know, Ludmilla sees this in this moment, and that's what sort of sparks the comment uh, or the thought. But I think it does, like all or a lot of the things that happen in the novel, it transcends up to a larger theme. And that is one of the reasons why the writing uh, seems good without seeming forced, in my opinion. It doesn't... Um, sometimes he'll, he'll back, back up and, you know, smack you over the head with something, but... A lot of the moments that seem like, wow, I'm getting this really great insight, um, they aren't the ones that are, they aren't the ones that seem as though they're coming from Grossman or a more external narrator themselves. Uh, they're something that is a truth that has been discovered or a question that has been posed by an experience from a character. And yes, it is Grossman's kind of 
you know, you Grossman's informing that, but it's the way that is filtered through that specific character. That's a really important thing um, to remember when you're reading realists, such as the Grossman himself. So, anyways, that was a really good question. I like, I like the question. Yeah, great question. Thank you. Our Discord um, is going crazy today. <laughs> Part some on topic, some off topic. Cameron but... got executed. It was crazy. <laughs> he had to be there. And you can be there if you find the the link in uh, almost all of our daily uh, emails we're sending out. Yeah, so, or if you like the FOMO, I can keep doing this and you don't join. And I just right. keep telling you funny anecdotes about our Discord that you're not <laughs> part of, unfortunately. It's all up to you what you want to do. This is all up to you. You know, we're not dealing in probabilities. We're dealing in only what you would like to do. Because <laughs> uh, unlike unlike physics, our podcast is not like fascism. <laughs> so no. Anywho, no. Uh, let's let's wrap that up before we start going off on a bad tangent. Um, <laughs> Cameron's I don't metaphors think, get us in trouble. Yeah, I don't think I don't think our listeners truly appreciate how many like uh not. Not offensive jokes we cut out, but just how many jokes that just don't land that get cut out. Of there's the, the joke doesn't end. There's no joke. There's no punchline. It's not funny. <laughs> just one of us going on for minutes. Yeah. Like this. Yeah, yeah like this. Or one of us just stopping a joke halfway through because we realize we can't land it. <laughs> <laughs> not only do I that, that I can't land it, so I don't want to say that um, on a recording that only Cameron... Then has access to. I mean, I have access to it, but what am I going to do? Edit my own episodes? Come on. Yeah, anyhow, so we're doing that right now. But uh, join us again tomorrow when we're maybe more on topic or maybe more off topic. You'll have to be there to find out. Only time will tell. Hey, 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 hey.